0: Well, we're going to be in the book of James today, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. And I actually just spoke through the book of James not that long ago. Um, but the way I, I, I really divided that up is these were kind of in the middle of a lot of really important verses. And these four verses that we're about to read, I kind of glossed over. Uh, with the realization that I was, I was hopefully going to be doing a, a series on prayer and we could touch on it later or in the future. And, and today is that day again. So it's kind of, um, it's always fun to kind of plan things out and then to actually have it happen. Uh, so today, uh, God really led me towards this specific topic, which is, is praying for wisdom. And, and as we've been going through this series on prayer, it's this reality that, that prayer is more than just asking God for things, but it's, it's not less than that either. And one of the greatest things we can ask for is God's wisdom. And the reality is that he is the true source of wisdom in this world. Nothing we come up with ourselves or we get from one another or from the world is truly going to matter for eternity. God's wisdom is divine. And God's wisdom is a gift that he truly gives us. And as I was preparing for this, I'm realizing that wisdom is kind of a lot like a gift card. It's this promise, it's this gift that someone gives to you, and all you have to do is use it. And there's a study that, that happened in February of this year, and they, they, uh, they guessed that about $21 billion of gift cards are sitting unused right now. That's a billion with a B, and that's just in America. And you might have some of those. I probably have about a billion of those in my house myself, Where you get the gift cards and they kind of sit and all you have to do is just remember to bring it to the store and then use it. You don't want that gift to go to waste. And that's how wisdom often works in our lives. As God has this divine wisdom he wants to share with us, all we have to do is ask for it and then use it. And so that's what we're going to be reading this morning in uh, James chapter 1. If you're not there already... I invite you to turn there, and uh, we'll read that together. I'd love for you to read it out of your Bible. If not, it'll be available for you on the screen here. Starting in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now these are the verses that we're going to focus on today, but I think to fully understand what we're studying, you have to view this in the context that the Apostle James was writing it. And so the the context here, we're going to read the the verses before this as well, is that this is wisdom we ask for during trials in our life, or during hardships, during pain, during confusion, and then when when really you don't know what you're doing or or it seems like things are just too difficult, seek God's wisdom. Ask him for wisdom in those times. And these are the verses preceding that, verses 2 through 4. That we are to consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We are to let that perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So what this is saying is that for the believer, no matter how long you follow Jesus, no matter how strong your faith is, you will have difficulties in life. And Jesus promised that to us, that there will be hardships, there will be trials of many different kinds. But in that, we can have joy. Because when we trust in God and we have faith in God, we realize that those trials and those hardships have a purpose beyond what we can understand in that moment. And that purpose is to strengthen us. It's to mature us, it's to open our perspective to God's perspective, and to make us finally into a more complete person in which we lack nothing. It's through our trials and our hardships that we mature and we become content in the Lord, and our faith grows in Him. And so often when difficulties come in our lives, our gut reaction is simply just to lower our head and plow right through it, right? Or we just kind of grin and bear it and take it as it comes. But these are the times especially to ask God for wisdom. And so that's kind of the premise we're working with this morning. Is wisdom, as we see it in the context of trials, is not necessarily asking God just how to get out of your trials and your hardships. But rather, what to get out of your trials and your hardships. Now, sometimes God's plan and God's will for you is to avoid certain difficulties and trials. But oftentimes, they're there for a reason. And he wants to teach you, and he wants to form you, and he wants to mold you. And it may not make sense to you, but it makes sense to God. And that's why we have to ask for his wisdom, through matter what, through, no matter what we're going through, the trials of many or various kinds. And so the first point we come to today in verse 5 is that there has to be an unfailing trust in God as the true source of true wisdom. Now, oftentimes when we're not sure what to do, we go to Google. We go to self-help books. We get a degree in something. We ask for conventional wisdom among people, but God himself is the true source of Of true wisdom and this is the difference between wisdom and knowledge we often get them confused knowledge I've heard is is learning how to take something apart to know how it works wisdom is the understanding that you need to let it leave it alone so it works the way it was created And that's how the world kind of works. God, in his wisdom, created the world and his rules and and, and his ways. And we often want to take it apart so we can control it. Wisdom is trusting in God the way he has designed it. It's not something that we invent. Wisdom is not something that we discover. It's something that is gifted to us, something that is revealed to us. Wisdom comes from God himself. And how many times have you heard statements like this? Just follow your gut. Follow your heart. Discover your own truth and live your own truth. Those statements are something that are very common in our culture, but it goes against the wisdom of God. But it's also not a new problem, right? There's nothing new under the sun. As you read through the book of Judges, there's a recurring statement there. It says that the people of Israel did what was right in their own eyes. And that meant that they were relying on themselves for the source of wisdom. And I won't won't want to give you a spoiler alert, or I'll give you a spoiler alert if you haven't read Judges. Uh, It doesn't end well for them. It never works when they trust in themselves as the source of wisdom. The only way to have wisdom is to know God and to ask God. And the knowledge of God is, comes through the revelation in his scripture and through the fulfillment of his son, Jesus. God is the only true source of true wisdom. And in this verse, we kind of see a problem, a prescription, and a promise. And the first is this, that the problem is we don't have the wisdom of God. Without God, we we really don't know what we're doing. And it starts out that if any of you lacks wisdom. Now, this is not some conditional statement in which to say some of us lack wisdom and some of us don't. But rather, it's it's written in a way by James that causes us to self-reflect about our real-life situations. And it brings us to a place of humility before God. And so just a quick straw poll here. Um, How many of you know everything ever? How many of you have the fullness of God's wisdom in your life in every area? Okay, so if any of you lacks wisdom, that's all of us. We're to ask God for it. See, we're always going to have these situations where we (laughs) lack wisdom and we feel in over our heads. In any situation, good or bad, you can ask yourself... Would I benefit from having more of God's wisdom in this moment? And when you reflect on that, you truly understand your need. The problem is we don't have the wisdom of God. And the solution here is to humble yourself before him and say, God, I don't have all the answers, but I know that you do. And if you think you do not need wisdom in your life, then you really need wisdom in your life. There's two really hard statements for people to make, any person. I don't know, and I was wrong. And what we're offered here is the situation in which you don't have to make the second statement. You start with, I don't know. God, I don't know. I need your wisdom. So before we even ask of God, we must first humble ourselves enough to confess our need for wisdom and say, I don't know. But God does. So that's the prescription here. When you lack wisdom, you should ask God. The prescription, ask God to share his wisdom with you. And sometimes we make things way more complicated than they need to be. And this fix here, if you could call it that, is kind of easy. Ask God for wisdom. The prescription is asking God. Now If you guys are uh, uh, parents of of young children or remember that time, there's a time where you realize, and and, and if you don't know, I have a five-year-old. Well, he'll tell you he's five and a quarter. That's really important to him right now. He's five and a quarter and now almost a six-month-old. And you you understand this time when you have young kids in the house. Nobody's ever healthy all at once. And so far this year, it's been like five days that all of us have been healthy for the year. Someone's always sick with something, and over the last couple, three weeks, we had a strep throat go through our household, which I know some of the other families here had that as well. I blame the children uh, for this, <laughs> but it started with my wife, Mandy, where she had been uh, having a lot of symptoms. It was like, is it allergies? Is it a cold? Is it just you know, the lack of sleep from being a mom, or what is it? She had gone about a week or so, where finally she said, enough, I'm going to go to the doctor, I'm going to get the strep test, because I think that's what this is, and within 10 minutes, yep, it's strep, she went to the pharmacy and picked up uh, the antibiotics, and within about 24 hours, it was pretty much solved. Now, a week later, the same thing happened to me, getting all the symptoms, but I just gave it about 24 hours, and I said, enough, I'm going in, I got the prescription and within about, you know, 24, 36 hours, I started feeling better. Mason then, my son, same thing happened. We gave him about eight hours and we went in. The point being is that the prescription sometimes is quite simple. Just 10 seconds a day of remember to taking the antibiotics. And that's how wisdom works as well. We make it complicated and we suffer through these long periods of time where we say, I think I'll get better on my own. I think I can do this, but really it's just ask God. Just ask God and it's as simple as taking the antibiotic pills each day. He will give you the wisdom you need and the wisdom you need is only a prayer away. And there's two big observations from this is that God gives generously and he gives without finding fault. God loves to give. And God loves to give you his wisdom. It's his will for you that you live in his wisdom. And he's not some stingy, tight-fisted God who holds on to all of his riches for himself, but rather he wants to bless you with the riches of his wisdom. All you need to do is ask. And the word that's used here for generous can also mean sincere. It's saying this is who God is that he loves to give to you and he wants to give you his wisdom. So there's no need to go to God asking and, and begging and bartering and, and please God, you know, would you just spare an ounce of your wisdom? He wants to give it to you and he wants to give it to you generously. And he also does it without finding fault. And this is translated as he, he does it without reproach or without questioning you. So this doesn't mean God's going to guilt you or or play favorites when he's asking, but Rather, it's it's that his grace is omnidirectional. Anyone who humbles themselves, no matter how big of a problem you're in, no matter how many mistakes you've made, if you humble yourself before God and you have this fear, this humble reverence of him, and you say, God, I need your wisdom, he will give it to you without finding fault in you. And oftentimes we're hesitant to ask for help from certain people because we don't want the lecture that's going to come along with it. We know that they might be the only ones to help us, but we don't want to ask them because they'll never let it die that we needed their help, and we're going to hear it over and over again. God doesn't give you the lecture. He gives you the wisdom that you need, and he does it with joy, and he does it out of love. Don't overcomplicate this. If you need wisdom, ask God. He loves when you ask, and he loves to give you all the wisdom that you need. He's not too busy for you. He doesn't look down on you for not just knowing everything already. And he's not even irritated if you keep asking for the same things. God will give generously, and he'll do it without finding fault. And here's the promise of all this, as we see at the end of this verse, that it will be given to you. God will give you all the wisdom you need to navigate whatever you're going through. And God is the only place that you can get that wisdom. That's the promise. And in Proverbs, if you know, is, is a book that's it's a saying, it's a collective saying of wisdoms to help us to understand the character and the nature of God. And in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, it says that the Lord himself gives wisdom. And it's from his mouth that comes all knowledge and understanding. Now, that proverb was written by Solomon. And Solomon, the Bible tells us, is the most wise and discerning person that ever lived. There's no one like him before him, there's no one like him after him except Jesus. But as far as normal people like me and you, Solomon was the wisest person that ever lived. Now, how did he get his wisdom? He asked God for it, and God gave it to him. And it's that simple. He didn't read a a pile of books. He, He didn't go through life and experience things and find wisdom through his age. God gave him wisdom because he asked for it. And the same wisdom that was given to Solomon can be given to all of us. That's the promise we have here. All you need to do is humble yourself and ask for it. And seek that wisdom. Most importantly is that God has already given us his wisdom in his word. If you want to know what is wise and what is foolish, read your Bible. That's something we all can do when we have the freedom to do. And there's unlimited resources seemingly to read the Bible every single day. Do that and you'll grow in your wisdom of God. But it's also revealed in his son Jesus. Know Jesus if you want to know wisdom. That God has given us all we need to be wise. All we have to do is humble ourselves, ask for it, and accept the wisdom that He gives us. That's the promise. God is the only source of wisdom, and we're to go to Him when we need it. The second part of this is in verse 6 is that when you ask for wisdom, you have to have faith in the wisdom that's given to you. First, faith that He's going to give you wisdom but faith in whatever wisdom he gives you. And this verse is really important to discuss because it it is one of a few verses that's been heavily isolated and manipulated to to maybe say something that it doesn't really say. I'll read it again here. That when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea and blown and tossed by the wind. Now, first of all, what what this verse says doesn't say, is that if you ask God for anything with enough faith, he will give it to you. God will give you whatever you want if you pray with enough faith. That's what this verse doesn't say. And it's really important to understand this because there is a theology of prayer that I think has damaged many Christians for many years, particularly in America. Many false teachings will simply say that. If you speak a word in faith, God will return that to you, whatever you ask, whatever you want. And I want to make it clear that God can and does bless us abundantly. His storehouse of riches is more than we could ever imagine. At any time, he can bless us and does bless us in more ways than we could even count. But it's not always in the way that we ask for it Or desire it. We're promised many times throughout the Bible in Philippians 4 that God will meet all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And again, those riches are abundant and immeasurable. But he will meet all of our needs, not all of our wants. God never promised he would give us everything we want in prayer no matter how fervently we pray and with how much faith we have, God's will and God's wisdom is far above our own. And this verse specifically is talking about asking for God's wisdom. Okay, We we talk about this more in a general sense in verses 7 and 8. But when you pray for God's wisdom, you must believe that he will answer you and have faith in what answer he gives. This theology of prayer of just say what you want and believe hard enough and God will give it to you creates two ultimate ends that pull people away from God. It either brings you to great pain or great pride. Because really, if you say, if my faith is strong enough, God must give you, and that's not faith in God. That's faith in your faith. Okay? Now, as an early believer... I was wrestling through how prayer worked and how faith worked. And, and I was in a youth group where we had uh, some events that happened outside and, and rain was supposed to come in. And so I prayed with the utmost of faith, God, please keep the rain from coming here. And two weeks in a row, the rain seemed to kind of skirt around the events. So my takeaway from that is like, wow, I can control the weather Because my faith is so big and so strong, I am an important person to this youth group. That wasn't faith in God. That was faith in me. And prayer doesn't work that way. If you truly believe that the measure of your faith is directly related to the outcome, it's going to eventually create a pride in yourself and not an unfailing trust in whatever God has for you. On the other side of the coin, it can cause great pain in our lives because there's people who have really hard things they walk through and they say, I I prayed with the utmost of faith that God would help me through this financial hardship or through this relational hardship and, and I prayed that God would spare my loved one from death and they died. God must be punishing me because my faith is so small. And that's driven more people away from the faith because they don't understand the true relationship between faith and prayer. There's a difference between faith and faith and faith and God. And the first is the opposite of wisdom. The second is the true beginning of all wisdom. What this verse is saying is that if you pray with faith, you'll have confidence that God will always give you exactly what you need. Even if it's not what you want or what you thought, faith doesn't always deliver us from hardships. It can, but it doesn't always. The promise is that it will always carry us through hardships. And that's the manner in which we should pray for wisdom. That's the faith we should have that we see here illustrated in verse 6. Because if you don't have that faith and that strong footing and that trust and that confidence of God, you're going to be like the one who doubts. It was like a wave of the sea and blown and tossed by the wind. Now, James grew up with his half brother, Jesus, by the Sea of Galilee, which is a pretty big body of water. And anytime you get into bigger bodies of water, the sea can be unpredictable. And at one moment, it's calm. At the next moment, the wind is blowing in. The the waves could be going in this direction. And then a few seconds later, they're going in the opposite direction. And the one who doubts, who does not have the faith in God, is, is like that sea. That they're never at rest. There's no peace in their lives. And we're given the promise... That you were not to let anything, any anxiety or worry control you. But that to bring all of these concerns to God in prayer and petition. And that then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's the faith we have that brings us peace. Without faith, we're agitated, and this water is churned up, and and the the water gets muddy and dirty. It's like life you can't see anything truly for what it is because we don't have faith in God. And you're tossed back and forth by the wind. You go wherever the wind blows you in life. And at times, when everything is well, it might seem calm, but then a few minutes later, after the situation changes, your life is turned over. Have faith in God. When you pray, especially for wisdom, and you're going to have that rest and that peace and that strong footing in him, no matter what comes in life. And the last couple of verses we'll go over quickly here. It's just really a warning, a further warning to those who have no faith in their prayer life. It's this, this cautiousness we must, uh, we must observe as, as Christians in all of our prayer life. That if you're that person who can't even pray for wisdom with faith, then you shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. Now again, what this this verse doesn't mean is that if you have doubt in any one area of your life or your faith, God will disown you. Not what it means. Faith is a gift from God. Faith is something that we grow in throughout our lives as we mature. right? And and every person is going to struggle with some element of doubt in some way in their life. And it doesn't mean that, that God will disown you or never give you anything again. Our faith will be perfected when we're in heaven in the presence of Jesus. But until that time, there will be things we struggle through. But There's really a, a sense here that our prayer life should not be covered in faithlessness or doubt. And this is just some, some examples here. So if your prayer life and again, your prayer life says a lot about your faith. If your prayer life is, is kind of like this, where I've tried everything else, I've tried my five-step approach, I Googled it, I tried everything I can imagine, and what's the harm? I'll just pray and see if maybe that works. Or That's someone who shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. If your prayer life is one where you say, God, if you even exist, and if you can even hear me, And if you even care, blank. Don't expect to receive anything from God. Or maybe you're one that's still so sure of your own way that you're trying to impose your thoughts and your way on God. Where you say, God, if you give me specifically what I'm requesting right now, then I'll follow you with my life and I know that you're real. That's not a prayer of faith. And you shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. If you truly know God and his character, then you would not doubt him in your prayer life. And so verse 8 gives us kind of two devastating descriptions of the person who doubts, that they're they're double-minded, and this can really be translated as two-faced, that they're a different person here than they are there. And this word is actually only found uh, in, in the book of James twice. It's not found anywhere else in the New Testament or anywhere else in Greek. They think that James maybe invented this word, double-minded or two-faced, right here. And it means that you have divided loyalties in your life. All you really want in the end, no matter how much you pray and, and how many Bible studies you go to, all you really want in the end is what you want. And you don't want what God wants. And they become unstable, not just in your prayer life, but in every part of life, That there's no strong-footedness, you have no foundation on which you're standing. You might take one step towards God, and then the next step is away from God. And that you're untrustworthy in what you do, because you never quite know where you're going to go. Your prayer life says a lot about your faith, and your faith says a lot about your prayer life. Be careful that you don't have a faithless prayer life. But as we conclude today, we know that Prayer is, is not just some opportunity to exercise our faith, but also a vehicle to grow our faith. And there's nothing more important than to know God and to trust in God for all things. And the way to know the heart and the mind and the character of God is to ask for his wisdom. So whatever you're going through, don't go through it alone. Humble yourself before God. Admit your need for help. Ask him to give you the wisdom, all the wisdom you need right now to walk through whatever you're going through. And as you receive that wisdom, trust in it. And know that his thoughts and his ways are higher than our thoughts and our ways. And have strong faith that God will never leave you where you're at. That's the gift. That's the gift card we've been all, all been given. Remember to use it and use it. Ask God for wisdom in your life. Let's close in prayer today. God, we thank you for this great gift and and your, your great love and your compassion and your mercy in our lives. And God, I'll be the first to admit, along with I hope everyone else here, many times we don't know what we're doing. We don't truly know what's best. But you do. You always do. And so, God, I just pray that all of us would take that moment to truly trust in you, to to truly know you, to have that faith in whatever it is you have for us in any moment of life, that would seek your wisdom, that we'd read your word and and know, uh, God, what it is you've revealed to all of us, but also seek your wisdom beyond that in the specific moments of life, that you'd speak to us abundantly and clearly through your Holy Spirit, that you'd steer and guide us through life. And so, God, we thank you for that, for that ability. And I just pray for anyone here who's maybe not quite made that even first step of seeking you and your wisdom for salvation. There's only one true way to salvation, and that's the beginning of wisdom is, is to come before you with that humble reverence and that submission to you. God, the way to be wise is, is, is through your Son Jesus. And I pray for anyone here who hasn't made that step, hasn't made that commitment to you, that they truly humble themselves before you and just say, "God, I'm a sinner." And I have a need, and I trust that your son Jesus died for me on the cross to pay for my sins. And I simply need to just give my life to you, submit myself to you, and follow you from here every step of the way. And God, when we recognize that, when when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved, that there is salvation in that. So, God, I pray for anyone that's making that commitment to you right now, that they'd walk in your ways of wisdom, that they'd humbly seek your wisdom from here on out. But for all of us, God, no matter where we're at in our faith, I just pray that you would strengthen us, that you'd mature us, and not simply just look for all the ways to get out of our troubles, but to figure out what we're to get out of our troubles, that you're using these moments to really grow us and mature us, that we walk in your ways of wisdom, in this great faith of who you are and what you have for us. So God, we pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.